0: Greetings, this is Lori Lee Roark of the It's Not About Food podcast, and I'm happy to be here today with a good old friend. She's not old, but we're good friends for a long, long time. Joanne, and I'll bring her on in just a second. But I wanted to talk about the card awareness, which is always hard to kind of have that awareness if we're not aware enough to have awareness. And the front of the card is the goddess is holding a candle, and sort of the card is a darker color. And her and her spirit animal are both looking at the candle as it's lighting up that darkness, sort of like a cloudy card. It says in the back, awareness is awakening to ourselves exactly as we are in this present moment. In order to heal our struggle with food and weight, we must become aware of eating patterns, emotions, bodily sensations, and diet fat thoughts. Only by watching and working with ourselves in the moment can we truly understand what we need. And isn't this the best card for right now of awakening to ourselves exactly as we are in this present moment? It's a very scary time to be thinking about the future, and it's also kind of a sad thing time to be thinking about the past because we don't have a lot of that stuff right now. Obviously, we only have this moment. And what's going on with us in this moment helps us with not just with food and weight, but just with everything that we're doing. If our mind is racing before and after this moment, it's it's hard to get any kind of peace, if you will. So by watching and working, with ourselves in the moment of where our mind is going, what's going on with ourselves, what is our body needs right now, what does our earth need, what do we need to really get through this moment, even if we're in fear or anger or sadness, and how do we stay with that in order to understand what we truly do need. So I can't think of a better person to have this conversation with other than... Joanne and I really appreciate you being here today. And so tell us a little bit about what you're doing.
1: Oh, hi, Loralee. Thank you so much for having me as part of this. And I really want to thank you for the cards. They've been just an amazing gift that I've been using every day since you sent them Mm. uh, as a way to just kind of really ground into the awareness in my body. And so the reason I chose the awareness card to talk about is because I'm a mindfulness teacher and a life coach, a mindfulness-based life coach. And I've written a couple books about mindfulness. I think one it's that I sent you, The Mindful and Intentional Living, A uh, Path to Peace, Clarity, and Freedom. And that book arose from, from the courses that I teach around mindfulness. That is kind of the companion piece for the curriculum that I've developed over the last six or seven years. So basically, I don't know if you're curious about my story as far as what got me into teaching
0: mindfulness. Well, tell me how awareness has worked in your life with whatever you wanted to create. So it seems to me like that's probably the first thing that You had an awareness of this is where you wanted to go with something.
1: So really, I've been practicing mindfulness for about 25 years now. But the shifting into bringing it to more people happened about seven years ago. And it was when my canine companion of 15 years, Shyla, was leaving her body. And I basically was able to companion her through her process, very lovingly, very aware, very easily. And the reason that I think I was able to do that was using mindfulness and a few other tools, basically setting intention and journaling and those things that have companioned me along my life's path forever, basically. But after she passed, and it was one of the most profound experiences that I've ever had. But I... after she passed, I was able to kind of look back and see that I had really garnered a set of tools, very simple tools, that allowed me to be able to be present with one of the most difficult situations that I've ever had. And and it was in that reflecting back that it was like, this is something that's really worth sharing with people because the difficulties that happen in life don't happen to just certain people, right? We all have these what I refer to as the inevitable difficulties of being human we're going to grow up we're going to have illness sickness we may break a bone or get hurt in some way we all have losses whether we lose a home or a relationship and of course we all age as we're all doing and eventually we all die and so nobody gets away with not having things like that happen in life and so if we can find a way to companion ourselves and recognize Recognize these things, be aware of these things and companion ourselves in a more compassionate and loving way through these inevitable difficulties, then our lives will have less suffering.
0: Definitely. And I think none of us are going to get out of here alive. And so,
1: Right. <laughs> right. What exactly. To,
0: and if you look around right now, there is a lot of death going on in our world right now from a certain thing, but there is a lot of sickness. And you know what? There always is a lot of death and sickness. Somehow I put myself into that when I become unconscious or not aware, if you will, that oh, nobody said that you were going to be the one that lived forever, Laura Lee. You right. know? <laughs>
1: so. When I was younger, I thought, oh, well, maybe I could be the exception. I think this is the fallacy of my thinking was that maybe if I just did the right things, if I did everything just perfect, if I could just do a little bit more, think a little bit more, find yeah. out the right answer, then I would be free of all these difficulties that happen of the suffering.
0: No. And the very thing that we're so fearful of is is usually our best teacher. I know that I was so afraid of not being perfect that I really had to see how imperfect I was in order to let that go with obviously with kindness and compassion.
1: And for me, it took a lot of fighting and struggling for that. There's still a part of me that thinks, oh, you still have to do it perfect to strive for perfection. I'm way more accepting now for sure.
0: Yes, me too. For sure. Well, we've had to be. If you're going to to recover it all from anything. You have to let yourself go into acceptance, or you're just fighting a losing battle all the time. So, what are you doing now with our new normal, if you will, in order to teach your classes or do what you're doing with your book and everything else?
1: Right. So, well, fortunately, in the last few years, so your community as well as my community has been involved with large-scale disasters for uh, the last four or five years. Yeah,
0: the fires and now this and what's next, frogs out of the sky and... (laughs) (laughs) Right. When's that going to happen?
1: Yeah. So, I had been working on creating online content. So, after that experience with Shyla, I wrote my first book, Companioning the Sacred Journey, a guide to creating a compassionate container for your spiritual practice, and really for all of life. This idea of how do we create... This container that can hold all of the difficult situations as well as grow the good ones. So So, so I wrote that book and then I started teaching. I wrote some curriculum around it and started teaching classes. And then I brought those classes online. So I had recorded them, particularly those that were related with stress and anxiety, because mindfulness in itself is an excellent tool for learning how to work with stress and anxiety and depression. But our community had started with the large-scale fires back in 2015, and so we had a whole community that was traumatized. And I live in a geographically dispersed community. It's very rural, and our communities are 20, 25 minutes apart. And so I started putting the teachings online and creating courses that would help specifically with that. And then after the first one, I created a second curriculum. So the first one was about stopping the pain of stress, anxiety, and depression. And then the second one was about growing joy. And I like to use the analogy of digging a hole, right? And this is a pretty common analogy that we find ourselves digging a hole into a lot of pain and suffering. And certainly that was my life before recovery, thinking that could find a way on my own to make my life work. And I couldn't, I just kept digging a bigger and bigger hole. And then I found recovery, had mindfulness in my life. And so the first step was to stop digging the hole, to stop digging myself deeper into this place of pain and suffering.
0: That's so great. That's the first part is, oh, I'm in a hole and I'm putting myself into it.
1: Yes, and I need to stop digging it. So I stop creating the pain and then I start finding my way out of the hole and I start growing the joy. And so as it turns out, all this research that's happening with mindfulness and the neural area, it turns out that we can create a lot of our own experience, pleasant or unpleasant. And so then I started focusing on how we can grow the joy. What are the practices that we can do that cultivate a sense of wellness and goodness and joy and happiness? And so that was the second curriculum that I created and did an online class for. And then what I did was combine the curriculums for both of those courses into that second book, this Mindful and Intentional Living, A Path to Peace, Clarity, and Freedom. So the book serves as a support for the courses as well as a standalone kind of introduction to mindfulness practices and setting intention for growing the good. And so today, I was in the middle of teaching an introductory mindfulness course, just a six-week introduction to mindfulness based off a curriculum from the Mindfulness Training Institute where I did a year-long teacher training that I graduated from. When it came to session four out of six sessions, it was people were starting to isolate and stay home and self seclude themselves.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: social distancing was becoming the thing, the norm, and it was suggested to not have more than 10 people. And so I had been using the Zoom platform for many years for my coaching when I was traveling and just meeting with people at a distance. And so I just quickly put all my teachings, and I had workshops coming up that basically put all that online. Wow! And transitioned over to that, and so for the last two sessions of my last mindfulness course, we did it online. And actually, people really appreciated it. They appreciated being in the safety and the comfort of their own home, and to be able to be connected to keep that connection. And as I was telling them, you know, there's no better time to practice mindfulness. Right, for sure. No better time because if we try to shut out, quote unquote, the bad that's in our life, we shut down our capacity to experience the good. So mindfulness really creates this opportunity for us to hold space with it all and with compassion and kindness and,
0: and the like. Yes, I agree with you. It sounds like you were way ahead of the curve. The rest of us have all had to catch up with this whole idea of Zooming people or Skyping people or whatever. And I did my first ever since 1988 when I first started doing groups, the first eating disorder group last night. And I've been being asked for years to do one online, and I've resisted it. But last night, a group I do up in Sacramento and have been doing up in Sacramento for a long, long time, I'm just not traveling up there right now. That's not going to happen. So we did our group last night. It was really, really great <laughs> So because everybody was in their jammies, and we're all with our animals, and it was great, really fun. And I'm really glad that you were able to switch over to that so fast You're Yourself and already had been doing it, really. Yeah,
1: me too. It made the transition really easy. And just being able to help others make that transition onto it, there's a part of me that was thinking part of what this is about is that we have the technology to do this to be together. And granted, it's not the best. It doesn't replace in-person connection by any means. And we're mammals. We need that in-person connection. But it's definitely second best. And to be able to help people to jump onto that and say, wow, there's a lot of connecting that we can do that may have less impact on the planet, Uh right? Because not everybody's driving to one central location and using the resources for this and that. It's almost like the universe is saying, hey, you guys, come on, use the technology that's here to make these connections. I'm able to sit with teachers over in England and attend retreats. I attended my first kind of residential retreat at Spirit Rock a weekend ago via Zoom. So I can sit with some of my favorite teachers that I wouldn't it's get amazing. the opportunity for. So,
0: And we no longer have the excuse, if you will, that I've used for many years. Oh, I'm way too busy to drive all the way oh. over there. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Not only to do the thing, but to drive all the way over there and take that time.
1: Yeah, so we definitely have more time, right? Yes. And using less resources. So that time, hopefully, we can use to nourish ourselves through yes. and that's kind of where my focus has been. I do an online now community meditation weekly on Wednesdays through Zoom and I do like a live guided meditation on Facebook on Mondays. And really the emphasis has been on how do we calm our nervous systems so we can stay connected to mainly the prefrontal cortex part of our brain where we make those higher reasoning and decisions so we can stay mindful about that, because the tendency is to go into the amygdala part of the brain in the fight, flight, or freeze, and that's not really a good place to make decisions. It's a good place to survive from when our lives are an immediate threat. Right, but when the tiger is at the door. Right, not a good place to make decisions. So my emphasis in working with my clients and students right now is to really help them with those practices that settle the nervous system and keep us connected to that higher thinking part of our brain.
0: Well, that's why and my last uh, newsletter I sent out, I was gave ten things not to do right now. Like this isn't a good time to go on a cleanse. Don't go on a big major diet. Don't get a divorce. Don't mm-hmm. <laughs> like don't make <laughs> yeah. big decisions right now.
1: Very very helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just take it easy.
0: Go within. Listen to yourself. Have compassion. Have kindness. We're all trying to struggle along.
1: And do those nourishing things. So there are actually practices that you can do that can cultivate that settled nervous system and one of them is to slow down that's probably the first step is to just really slow down because the high activity will trigger that anxiety and the fight flight or freeze response All relaxing all those things that we say we don't have time for. Doing yes. yoga, qigong, all those things that can really support relaxing our nervous system.
0: Well, what would you say to people out there that are so full of fear and worry about what's going on of how to be able to get in a space that they could slow down? and have awareness so what
1: happens is anxiety is a thinking activity basically and it was necessary for our survival we needed to think about the future to make sure we had enough resources to get us through the winters basically right to get us through the difficult times and depression is also a thinking activity, right? And depression is usually about the past, regrets about the past. Mm -hmm. And so the antidote kind of to both of those and where mindfulness really comes into play is grounding in the present moment in our bodies. And so there's simple things that you can do to help resource your nervous system and your mind to help them recognize that in this moment, we're safe and our needs are met. And so like one simple practice is just to slowly pan your view, you're moving your eyes back and forth very slowly from side to side in whatever space you're in. And to consciously do that, right? So picking out objects that are in your field of vision, getting curious about those objects, noticing the colors, the textures, the patterns, the light and the shadow, how light and shadow is presenting itself in this moment and movement. And so those kind of qualities of what it is that you're viewing and just that simple panning back and forth for maybe two, three minutes signals to the nervous system that you're safe, that this moment is safe. And then that can kind of begin to settle things down. And then if you can bring your attention into your body, it can help to close your eyes or soften. Often your gaze, and just really connect into the felt sense of your body. So feeling yourself seated in your chair, feeling that sense of weight, feeling the textures of your clothing on your skin, feeling your feet on the ground. Those are things that can really, again, assist the nervous system in recognizing that right here, right now, this moment, we're safe.
0: I love that. And as you were doing I was thinking, and you can do that, Really, no matter what's going on, you can go within and do that, no matter what's going on outside of you. Right, and wherever you're
1: at. So, like, if you're waiting in line at the store, you can feel your feet... On the floor, you can feel your hands on either on your shopping cart or on your purse, or if you're a man, I guess it would be something different, that where your hands are at. And just really engage in with the senses. And again, what that does is just bring into our conscious awareness, and this is where awareness comes in, to purposefully pay attention to those things that are happening in this moment, because right. most likely in this moment, you are perfectly safe. Your needs are being met.
0: Right. And you can adjust yourself. I'm thinking of like me the other day going to a senior hour at a store and there was a million people there. So I decided not to go at that time (laughs) Mm -hmm. and come back later. And I still had to wait in a line outside the door because they're not letting everybody in at one time, obviously. But I was able to feel my feet on the concrete and just breathe and be okay while I'm waiting. It's going to be okay. Instead of being upset about the line, just use it as a meditation to sort of be okay with where I was. And I didn't have to look at my phone and I didn't have to do anything. I could just sit and look around me six feet apart from people.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can almost see it as a nourishment break of just taking that time to give all the neural networks and your nervous system a break. Yeah. So the other thing that I offer is there a lot can happen with a very slow, deep breath. And working with the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system, you can either activate energy in the body, right? That would be activating the sympathetic Nervous system. And you can do that by attending or lengthening the inhale of the breath, right? That'll bring more energy into the body. But if you want to activate the parasympathetic or the relaxation response part of your system, you can make an emphasis on extending the exhale so that the inhale would be shorter than the exhale. And that's another thing that just kind of signals to the body that we're safe that we don't have to be in heightened awareness that we can relax. So simple things about just moving your awareness into the body, taking a few deep, slow breaths, and maybe just kind of scanning your awareness, your attention through your body and just noticing those points of holding or tension or tightness and just softening those a little bit. Check the jaw, the brow, the tummy, the shoulders, like do a little body scan. hmm yeah, yeah, just do a body scan. And then meeting it. A lot of mindfulness is about meeting what it is in our experience that we come into contact with. Meeting it with a kind and gentle, allowing awareness. So so trying to refrain from judging, oh, my shoulders shouldn't be tighter. I shouldn't be freaking out right now. Trying not to judge what we experience, but actually just creating this compassionate container. And then that gives us the opportunity to be more in choice about how
0: to respond to it so that we're not caught in the reactivity. It's beautiful. That is so beautiful. And to do that with such kindness and grace and compassion as you're talking about it right now. It's like calming down the baby, just the little part of us that gets so upset about things. Well, we get upset about things all over, but I'm just saying the part of us that really is so worried about what's going to happen when we meet that with kindness and compassion and breath. awareness, it does calm that part of us down.
1: It does. And there's a tipping point where you lose access to that ability to be soothing and caring to yourself and your experience. And so that's where, again, where awareness can really come into play of noticing that tipping point. It's like, oh, I can kind of feel myself getting a little anxious. My breath is quickening and it's happening in the upper part of the chest instead of down low in the belly. And we can use those things as indicators that it's time to maybe do a little nourishment break or something and help calm our nervous system before we tip that point where then we get into fight flight or freeze and we lose that access to that part of our being that can do the soothing and the tending and the befriending and the
0: caring so what i would love for you to do is just read what the card says about the for today i will practice Today, I will practice becoming aware
1: of one of the following, when I'm hungry, what I'm hungry for, and when I'm full, feelings that I'm having when I'm eating or worrying about my weight, or how many times throughout the day I have diet or fat thoughts. I will do this with compassion.
0: And we can change any of those things if that's not what you're working on. Of being worried about, am I going to get sick? Is my family going to get sick? What's going to happen? Am I going to have enough money? Whatever it is that we can come back to, what's going on with me right this moment, and have compassion for whatever it is.
1: Yes, and something more that can to add to that is that. To recognize that when we go into anxiety and when we go into worrying, this is ourselves caring for ourselves. We really want us to survive and be okay. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to create an inner war around, oh, I shouldn't be anxious and I shouldn't be worrying. It's like, no, this is your body's and heart and mind's way of taking care of itself. And so recognizing and acknowledging this, oh, I really care about myself and I want to take care of myself. And is this the wisest way in this moment to care for myself, to kind of go into that and let the worrying drill down into that hole, maybe into that dark hole?
0: It's so true. It's sort of like this is the sweetest part of us trying to say it's gonna be okay don't worry we'll just do this don't even worry about this I got this this is that part of us worry about this because we don't know what else is coming so let's just all obsess about this one little part about us that should be perfect because we know how to do that we don't know how to be scared
1: yeah and to recognize that that's just part of the human condition and that's where the compassion can arise because it's a part of us that we're not really doing we're not not actively doing that. That's part of our survival mechanism. So to have compassion with the fact that we can't control all of this—the life, the mind, the body—all of that—it's ultimately out of our control, and that in itself can it demands a response of compassion. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, we're definitely seeing that now, aren't we? We're not yes. in control of anything. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, Joanne, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and taking your time out. And I just love this work that you're doing. And I'm so happy that you're doing this. It's such a great fit for you and oh, for the world. You, and I, we all need it. Yes, that's for sure. And thank
1: you for doing the work you're doing because it's really, like you said, it's never about the food. Never. It's really not.
0: Never, not even one time, never, ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful, love it. Thank you, Joanne, and we'll talk soon and have a great weekend. Thanks,
1: Laura Lee. Stay safe and my website, mindfulandintentionalliving.com.
0: Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram. Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.